0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Public Handicapper podcast. We don't have a contest this week, but we are doing five of the best stakes around the country nonetheless. Look for us each week, whether Public Handicapper is running or not. This is show number 38, November 8th, 2019. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Public Handicapper, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame Handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, how was your Breeders' Cup last week?
1: It was good. I, from a betting standpoint, I came out ahead, thanks really to just two races. I had some horses that were big prices, that were live, that uh, ran third. They could have ran second. I could have had a, um, a really good weekend. Um, it was a lot of great racing. It just really ended on a sour note. Um, but other than that, I thought it was a really good weekend of racing.
0: Yeah, it's never uh, it's never a good thing to see any horse go down. And uh, especially when you pick him, which is what I did. Um, Let's hope that that is the last one of the major races where that happens.
1: That would be great. Um, Those things are going to happen again. Um, But I just think. Uh, the industry needs to start taking all the steps they can to help reduce the likelihood and demonstrate to themselves and to the to the general public um, and fans in the betting public that they're doing all they can to protect the horses Uh, that's all you can ask for but even the best efforts sometimes are going to fall short just because thoroughbred racehorses they're fragile i mean those legs if you ever i have spent time near those horses, you can just see how skinny those legs are. I mean, our legs are thicker than a thoroughbred's legs and they weigh you know, 1,100 pounds and they're going 45 miles an hour. So occasionally bad things are going to happen no matter what you do. But I definitely think the industry can do more and they have started to do more, but I, feel, I still think there's a lot more that can be done.
0: Well, let's hope that they do. And uh, I think they are beginning to make some progress. Let's hope it continues. We have a special guest today. He has qualified for the NHC twice, including this year, and he just won the PH Editor's Challenge, a price worth $1,250. He's Henry Wessel, also known as At Illinois West and Illinois West on Public Handicapper. How are you today, Henry?
2: Very good. Very good. It was a fun weekend last weekend, um, end of a long contest, so it was nice to uh, come out on top for once. It's uh, first time in many years. So it was nice. All
0: right, great. Um, Before we get started today, I do have a special announcement, just in case you like the music that you hear on uh, the Public Handicapper podcast, at least the first and last song. They are by the band, the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout, and they are playing at Sonny's Bar in Red Hook, Brooklyn tonight and next Friday, November 15th. I will actually be there November 15th. I can't do it tonight for a variety of reasons. But if you're in New York and you have any opportunity, any any ability to get to Red Hook Brooklyn, I highly encourage you to see the show. They're great live and uh, all, their, all their music is good.
1: I just thought we might want to congratulate the winner of the PH um, contest, Chili Hound, who... <laughs> had, a, had a great finish, ended up with $159.40 profit, and that's after playing 112 races. So that's not a fluke. I mean, that's a result you should be proud of. Um, in fact, anybody in the contest who played at least 100 races and ended up with a profit, that's quite an accomplishment to play tracks all over the country, all during the year over a large sample size, and end up you know, showing a profit given, you know, the kind of the, the big takeouts that we're all faced as horse players. So I just want to congratulate Chili Hound, the other top finishers, and anybody out there who, you know, played all year long, played 100 races and made a profit, uh, great job. And that includes Henry, who um, grinded away and had a really nice finish in the Breeders' Cup and won our Breeders' Cup Challenge. So I just want to congratulate everybody out there um, um, on a good finish.
0: Yes, absolutely, and I just sent out the email with the the interview with Chillhound. He is uh, really seems like a really nice guy, and I like that his biggest score, uh, betting wise, was only fifty three hundred bucks, but on a six dollar bet. So that's really pretty tremendous. And just a shout out to a couple of the other players that were. In the running, uh, loose puck, whose name, uh, the, whose real name is Mike Kutu, Kutu, Kotu, C O U T U. I've met him, he's qualified for the NHC before, and he came very close. I, you know, he's still 40 dollars behind, but at least he finished second. In normal years, we would have had two seats. So, congratulations to loose puck and also Jimmy DeLion in third place. who... Also had a, a, a good Breeders' Cup and Wookie Monster 2013. These guys all did really well. And uh, it's, you know, it's a marathon. Chillhound broke out of the gate running and had a lead. I, I looked up the news. I didn't remember. So I looked up the PH emails from the first weekend and it said Chillhound hit the 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 Oaks Derby Double. And he never looked back.
1: Wire to wire, pretty impressive.
0: So yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, as uh, Capos Caballos will tell you, he was really close. You know, he was a little bit behind Chillhound at one point, point. and you know, once you get up there, it's great. But staying up there is really hard to do. And that that Chillhound was able to do that and wire the field is very impressive.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Capos Caballos. Uh, he also puts out analysis most weeks, and he's had some interesting things to say. He's a good one to follow if you want to get another opinion and, and see more than just the picks. So, once again, we want to encourage the players, you know, to put on the real public handicapper hat and not only make your picks but explain, you know, your thinking behind those picks. That's part of the fun.
0: All right, great. So, let's go to our races. And we'll start with the Artie Schiller at Aqueduct. It's the eighth race, a mile on the turf, purse of 150000 for three-year-olds and up. Henry is our guest of honor. We'll let you get started.
2: Sure. All right. Well, this is a field of 13 with three MTOs. Um, I think uh, forecast, I think they should be on the turf. So the three MTOs will probably be out. Uh, So we'll use a field of 10. I think there's uh, quite a bit of speed in here. To the outside with Dr. Edgar Voodoo Song, Abiding Star, and even uh, Gidu on the uh, from the Seven Post. So, looks like there's a lot of speed in here. So the two logical horses that come from behind would be Frontier Market and Caribou Club. Um, they both look like they'll be short prices. So I think I would look um, for a bigger price, and the two that interested me the most would be uh, Just Howard and Golden Brown. Uh, golden brown is 12 to one he's going back to the turf for the first time since july Um, he's had some decent efforts over the monmouth course Um, interesting to see him go back to the turf now um he's faced some pretty good company in his last couple races finished a respectable fourth and uh had a win in there as well um just howard comes from grand motion uh jose ortiz rides looks like he's got a pretty decent closing kick so, uh, given the pace scenario, I think I'd probably land on one of those two. If I had to pick one, I'd probably go with Just Howard, um, benefiting from Jose Ortiz and uh, pace to close into. And if he's 10 to 1, he'd look to be uh, some decent value in there.
0: Yeah, I would think Just Howard would be less than 10 to 1, just with the Graham Motion, Jose Ortiz combo. And that was my comment on him. But We'll see if he is ten to one, like you said, very good. Chris, what did you think?
1: Well, as Henry said, there is a lot of pace. I mean, with Gidu, Dr. Edgar, Voodoo Son, a binding star, you would think that this has to be a really fast pace to set up for the closing and stalkers. But this is New York, so I'm a little nervous, even even with this field that these strike riders are all look at the form and start grabbing their horses out of the gate. But I'm still going to play it as if it's going to be a fast pace. And at least two or three of those four will set out with a sizzling early um, fractions. So I agree with pretty much everything Henry said of the favorites. I think Caribou club is much better than frontier market. Uh, He's just faster. They tried to get into the, Breeders' Cup mile on the turf, but they actually got into the race with the late scratches, but they didn't ship out, so they're here instead, so they they clearly think their horse is in good form and should run well, so he's he's probably the horse to beat, but he's really not any faster than the horses that Henry mentioned, Um, and of those two, I really like Golden Brown a lot. Um, He's the kind of horse we've talked about in the pod before. I love these horses that have shown they can run with good horses on the dirt, but they also can turf. I just think they're better horses in general. They're fitter and faster. This horse, he was gelded between his three-year-old and four-year-old year, year, and he came back as a four-year-old just as as a much better horse. He's been good in all his starts. He hasn't won all of them, but when he's he's lost, it's just because he's lost to better horses like Tom's Day Tot and Coalfront Front and Diamond King, and you know these these are really good horses that he was facing on the dirt. And his last his only two turf tries this year, he's he's pretty much crushed the field. So he's back on the turf um, in really good form, and. Uh he, he should, you know, he doesn't have a New York rider or New York connection, so um he will probably get overlooked in the in the mutual windows. I think you'll get all of that 12 to 1 and maybe more. And I think he can sit a perfect trip behind the speed burners, but get first run on the other horses. Um, I just really like this horse. I think it's a great betting race. I do think just Howard's a contender. I also think Curlin's Honor is the other one in here at a price that makes a lot of sense. But my key horse will be Golden Brown. I'm going to toss all the speed horses. I'll use um, just Howard, Curlin's Honor, and probably Caribou Club um, with Golden Brown. And maybe I toss it in Frontier Market if I'm playing tries or supers in this race. But to me, this is a great betting race, and Golden Brown is really good value.
0: Golden Brown is definitely one of my contenders and as well as just Howard for the reasons that you stated. So I won't, I won't pile on. I am against Caribou club. I loved him in his last race, but he was supposed to really dominate that race. And and I had a lot of money on him and it was great that he won the race, but he kind of proved that he really doesn't like two turns and going a mile. And he, he could get third, but at five to two, I'm not interested. Uh, he really should have romped in his last race, and he just beat Frontier Market, who is a Chad, but is also kind of a slowish Chad. So I think Caribou Club is kind of like Sister Charlie. She won her last race before the Breeders' Cup, and then she only could get third. She looked like, She looked like she labored to win that race, and she did win. Uh, she did win it, but it wasn't that impressive. And in her next race, she looked bad as the favorite. So, uh, so I'm against Caribou Club, and I think there's some value there. I like Golden Brown. I like Just Howard. The horse that I'm most interested in is Curlin's Honor, and I don't know if he'll get, he'll if he'll be ten to one or better. But if he is. He's only one for seven on turf, but that win came in his last race. It was a two-turn race at a mile and a 16th on the inner at Woodbine. I think it gave him some confidence. He won with a hand ride. He tucked behind the speed really willingly. So it really looks like that gave him a confidence build. And his figures going a little bit shorter, we're talking about seven furlongs and a mile uh, in, in Woodbine are good enough to win here. So if he can get back to those numbers after the confidence builder, he was racing against Yorkton on synthetic, which is the way Yorkton wins. Silent Poet, Synchrony, El Tormenta, Pink Lloyd. He, he's behind all these great horses. He costs $1.5 He's always been fast, but he has yet to have a breakout performance. I think it could happen today at 10 to 1. I won't be betting a lot of money on it because I do think Golden Brown and just Howard are are really formidable, but there's some value in this race.
1: Yeah, I think the mention the distance was good. I think you're right. Caribou Club, I think he can win at this distance, but he's better a little shorter. I think maybe Kirtland's honor is too, but maybe not. Um, So that was probably the, the big factor for me. In deciding um, which of the three I like better was the distance between Golden Brown and Curlin's Honor. But I think the three horses we're on, Golden Brown, the two horse or three horse, Just Howard the four and Curlin's Honor the five. Those three, you know, you could key around those three, box them, whatever. Pick one of them and play the others. Those are where the value is in this race. And I think there's a good chance they could fill out the win and exact, and maybe even the try in here. And all of them. Are double digits on the morning line, so it's a good betting race.
0: Yeah, and I I will just note I I I get you on Curlin's honor and thinking that he might not he might prefer shorter, but he did get one of his best numbers at a mile, and it was a one-turn mile at Woodbine. But he was second to Synchrony, who probably in this race would be heavily favored. So. So he does have that number. I, I think that the mile is within his scope. I think the mile on the 16th probably isn't within his scope, but he he won in the last race because the competition was so weak.
1: Yeah, right. I definitely think he could. He can get that mile, there's no doubt. Just I don't know if that's his optimal distance. Um, you know, he might be a little better going one turn mile or seven furlongs, but he definitely could win this race, and he should be a pretty good price, so I... I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I agree. He's a, he's a solid contender in here. When you figure a horse like Caribou Club at five to two in the morning line, Frontier Market three to one in the morning line, Voodoo Song four to one, I mean, he's more likely to win than any of those, I think, and you're, you're going to get double digit odds. So, all three of those horses are great value, I think.
0: Use them all in the pick three. All right, let's go to the next race. It's the ninth at Aqueduct, the Atlantic Beach. It's six furlongs on, they, they, they list it as the outer turf. It's the main turf. It's 100,000 for two-year-olds. Henry, uh, uh, no, Chris, let's let you start this one.
1: Well, these races are always tough, these two-year-old turf races, especially the turf sprints because they're so lightly raced um, and they all can improve quite a bit from one race to the next. But I did land on a horse that I, I like quite a bit in here. I think you can make a case for several others and I'm sure you and Henry will, but actually there were two I like, but one really in particular, and that's the seven horse Montauk Daddy. This horse um, just has shown a lot of talent in all his races. I mean, he started his career off in and off the turf race. Um, And he got off to a bad start and got hung wide, but he still passed horses, even though you could tell he wasn't really that comfortable. In fact, one of the horses he passed up was Chimney Rock, who ended up, I think, running second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf um, last weekend. So he showed some talent. He, He got bet down in that race. In his next start, he went six furlongs on the turf, which is the distance we're running today. And he just dominated a field from start to finish, just easily won that race. And then, then they moved him up into a stakes race. And this is the one that really impressed me because he kind of got off to a bad start. Um, so the, the, the rider, Jose Lascano, kind of rushed him a little bit, but not a whole lot, but he kind of urged him on cause to you know, catch the pack because he had been on the lead in his last start. And he had no problem at all going right to the front, even though he had spotted the the field several links. The problem was when he got to the front, um, he had been kind of lit up because he got hustled a little out of the gate. And Lescano tried to get him to relax, but he, you know, he was already blasters on, and he just opens up like five or six links in the blink of an eye on the turn, and You know, he just has left this fast field behind. And then turning for home mid-stretch, he kind of got a little tired and ended up getting passed up by another miracle, who I think ran third in the Breeders' Cup juvenile turf last weekend. Um, So he kind of understandably got tired, but he didn't completely spit the bit. Um, And just that acceleration that he showed after having to be used a little bit to get to the lead to just completely open up, on a good field in the blink of an eye was just awesome to me and since then he's had some really good workouts and they're adding blinkers so i'm assuming that those workouts were with the blinkers on and i love that when they make a change of equipment and and it corresponds with some really improved workouts um and linda rice uh is really good first time blinkers that's a good move for her plus you know after jason service and Peter Miller, she's probably the best turf sprint trainer out there. Um, I It's a little bit disappointing that Lescano got off to ride the other rice horse, but they put Carmuch on, which to me, along with the Plinkers on, means they're not going to try to fight this horse. They're just going to let him roll. And I'm always um, leaning on the speed horses and the turf sprints. Even those six furlongs, it's not... It's not as easy to win on the front end. You have to be good. But I think um, if he breaks alertly, which he didn't in his last start, but if he breaks alertly, uh, I think he's just going to roll in here. And he's 10-1 to on the morning line. Not going to get an easy lead. He'll have to work for it. And I don't think he has to be on the lead. Um, but he definitely has to be near the lead. And I hope they, he can get there. Without having you know to break slowly and get used, but if he can get that good break, I think he'll be the speed of the speed. I like the post. Um, he's kind of in the middle of the pack, so he doesn't he won't get buried down on the inside if he does break a step slow. Um, so he's my horse. The other one I like is is Mystic Lancelot, who's six to one in the morning line. That's the eleven horse. Uh, he looked really good on his debut at Saratoga. And then they took him to Woodbine, tried him around a mile on a yielding course. And, you know, he kind of got off to a little bit of a slow start and then really didn't run much, but that was a yielding course for routing. So they cut him back, probably where he belongs at Keeneland. And I thought he ran a really good race despite a wide trip. You know, he ran behind Kamari and Chimney Rock that day uh, with a better trip, I think he might have been right there at the end. Uh, so I think you know, he's probably a decent value at six to one. So I'm all about the seven Montauk Daddy and the 11 Mystic Lancelot.
0: All right, Henry, where did you land?
2: All right, I kind of uh, took a liking to Mystic Lancelot as well in here. I think there's uh, quite a bit of speed in here. Um, He is drawn to the outside, but I think he will uh, benefit from a lot of pace in front of him. Uh, Like Chris said, he did face some pretty good company in his last, um, so I think he's an obvious contender. Um, I'm always attracted to a Stidham runner as well. I will say uh, Emboldens' last race was quite odd as the horse had been on the lead, and it looked like they made a conscious effort to try to take him back. Uh, Didn't work out. Um, He did come running at the end, Uh, to lose by three and a half to the Breeders' Cup Sprint winner four-wheel drive. I think Embolden was on the uh, pre-entries for the Breeders' Cup, but obviously there were so many uh, entering that race, he did not get in. Um, He adds Blinkers in here. He's worked, uh, he had a pretty fast work after the last race, so um, Rosario stays on. He's kind of the X factor here. I'm not quite sure what they're going to do with him if they're going to try to take him to the lead. Like, he won his... uh, Two of his three races, or if they're going to try to uh, rate him off. So um, he's kind of interesting. If he's above nine to two, he'd be uh, a price I'd be interested in, along with the uh, eleven on the outside, Mystic Lancelot. So um, pretty competitive race. Um, hard to tell what everyone's going to do in here, but there does seem to be a lot of speed. And if they all go, uh, I think someone's going to come running late, and that one is uh, probably probably be the eleven.
0: Mystic Lancelot absolutely fits on numbers if he can get back to his best number, which was his debut. And there's no reason not to think that he can get that. He's circling back to that number. He's six to one morning line. It's a kind of a big field, so so these morning lines may hold up, but I, I do wonder if the pletcher will, with Johnny V will be as high as six to one. I actually landed on the other Linda Rice, turned aside. I like the horse because not just because Lescano picked the horse, but I, she he he showed in his last race that he could rate behind the speed. Uh, in his race before that, he had the lead over Jack and Noah, and gave it up. He ran an okay number. the The, the nice thing is in his next race, he sat right behind the, the leader and then pulled away with authority and didn't run a, a particularly great figure, but it was just a nice, a nice number to build on and I think can really improve in this next race. There will be a fast pace in this race. It looks like a lot of horses that want the lead, and even if they don't want the lead, they might, you know, even though the trainer and jockey might not want the lead, the horse, horses may go for the lead. I'm not sure why Jack and Noah, after his debut win, was winging it on the lead in his last race. So the Timeform pace projector has it as a fast pace, and I would pretty much expect that, but thinking that Turn to Side will be right behind that fast pace and be able to get through at 8-1. to one. I also noted that the dam uh, sustained of Turn to Side was better on turf ran some really good numbers on turf, even though she wasn't a stakes winner and by American Pharaoh, who's proving to be a great turf sire. So that's where I landed on that. But I do think that any of these horses can win. And my only uh, question to Chris is why you didn't land on Axiomo, who I know you've had a fondness for.
1: Well, I think he's definitely one you'd want to include in exotic races. Um, uh, know Axiomo and even Prince of Thieves are two horses I think that you know could be coming at the end and get a piece of it so I I definitely like those I just think I agree with you both that it will be a fast pace but turf Runners um sometimes the really fast quality horses still win and I to me Montauk Daddy his last race the the kind of quarter the second Quarter that he ran was just the kind of race that, you know, maybe one out of a, a thousand horses can run, make that kind of move, um, go from really fast to super fast in the middle of a race. So I just think he might be something special and he may put on the show in here, but he might not be. And if he's not, he's just going to get, you know, they're all going to get tired up front. I just think he might be a special kind of speed horse. I do like turned aside to too. And I think that. If Linda Rice runs both and she likes to scratch horses, so I'm a little worried she's gonna scratch Montauk Daddy. Um, but if they both go, I think their plan with turn to side will be to try to take him back off the pace sort of like they did last time. Um, and they'll let, you know, Carmuch kinda has only one style, that's go to the front. So I think, you know, he's pretty good on the front end. You know, it's not like he'll hard use the horse from start to finish, but he'll let he'll get the horse out. And, you know, he'll be rolling on the front end. So I think you'll probably get a good trip with turn aside. Um, but like you said, these races are kind of wide open. So Axiomo, a horse like that horse or Prince of Thieves could certainly, especially Prince of Thieves, if it's a pace meltdown, you know, if they they go incredibly fast. And when, it's, when I say a pace meltdown, I don't just mean the horses on the lead get tired. I mean, they suck in a lot of the the pressers and stalkers so the whole front half of the field is basically staggering home if you get that kind of a of a race shape prince of thieves from that outside post could be flying late and pick them all up at a big price so he's kind of interesting to toss in underneath um and maybe even use on the win end if he goes off at some ridiculous price but this will be an interesting race
0: I did write down, I wrote as if I was writing for Public Handicapper, just so I could mm, articulate my thoughts, and I wrote, Prince of Thieves could blow up the super. He progressed nicely from first to second race, then ran two turns at Keeneland versus a salty field, and he should improve cutting back and could be 30 to one. So, uh, yeah, if you take anything away, if you do play verticals, sprinkle in a little Prince of
1: Thieves. He may just steal it, but steal it from the back end.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, our next race, then, is going to be the Frost King from Woodbine. It's the eighth race at Woodbine. Seven furlongs on the synthetic, purse of 100000 also for two-year-olds. And, Henry, why don't we let you start this one?
2: All right. So this is an interesting race. Um, I like a big price in here. Um these are all uh, two-year-olds going seven furlongs. Uh, Wesley Ward has uh, two fillies entered in here uh, that have both run at Woodbine. Uh, I was just looking up. Um, he's got odd jockeys named on both of these. He's got Albin Jimenez named on Alet, and Nick Wars on Artie's Princess. Uh, Patrick Husbands has ridden both of these multiple times, and he's not listed on either one of these, and he's got plenty of other mounts on the day. So that's kind of a, an odd one. So maybe... Ward's not running these or I don't know what's going on they both worked at Keeneland on November 4th so they'd have to ship up here so that's kind of a something to watch to see if those two horses run uh the horse I like is the five horse Agnelli now Agnelli uh looks slower than these um but uh he's stretching out to seven furlongs Uh, Emma Jane Wilson's riding she's been out injured for a couple months she comes back to take uh she comes back this weekend so this is one of her first mounts agnelli ran a odd race in his last race he was closing at the end he still lost by four uh, he was 11-1 in there um, i think he'll benefit from some added ground and i think there's plenty of pace in here to set it up uh, for a late runner and i think if he uh is able to rate a bit and come running late he's got a chance to uh, win at a big price in here so he's 20 to 1 morning line uh, he'd be my pick um, I did have this horse first time out when he ran on, uh, I think it was Woodbine Mile Day. Um, and one of my favorite bets at Woodbine is betting the daily double. So in this case, or in the last case, when he ran on September 14th, he was 11-1. And I paired him up with a daily double with El Tormenta in the next race. So um, doubles pay big up there because of takeouts low. So if you like a price, a uh, way to get some extra bang for your buck if you're a small better is to play some doubles with a long shot. And uh can get some big returns so i'm going to go with agnelli in her
0: all right uh always interesting when henry takes a stand with a price horse and i always take a second look when when you do that henry i am looking hard and while i continue to look let's hear from chris
1: (laughs) you said that like I thought you were going to say I'm looking hard, but I don't see it, Henry. <laughs> well, I'm continuing to look.
0: I'm, I'm being nice. I'm I'm continuing to look. You, you never want to, you know, especially a twenty-to-one morning line. You never want to poo-poo somebody's pick. So oh, yeah, yeah I'm, like I'm,
1: it. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with you. If I pick a twenty-to-one shot, it's not a surprise at all. You know, be, oh, that's Chris. But when yeah. Henry does, I say, wow, I'm going to take a look at this because Henry is not typically the one. You know, just take a flyer on a twenty-to-one shot. He's got to really like it. So I agree with you. You want to take a second look at that
0: Well, I, I actually do. You know, since we're on the subject, we might as well. I might as well ask you, Henry. Uh, that number in the last race came up kind of slow. And uh, you know, on, on buyers, it, it 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 looks pretty slow. It looks like a big improvement from its last race, from a forty-eight to a sixty-six but uh there are other horses here that are running six you know hot 70s 75 oh yeah i mean it,
2: it, i watched the race again last night it looks like a slow race he was oddly two and four wide the whole way um he didn't really start running till late i just think um if there's a lot of speed in here and the speed collapses these are two-year-olds and if he's able to put it together and run late um he's got a shot at a big price um just one of those things where the last race it didn't look like he was ever all out, and I don't know what they were doing, but he was making up ground. And if uh gets a rider switch in here, he um he might just want the extra distance. And if the pace is hot, you know, he's got as good a chance as any to come closing at a price. The horse he beat um in his first race, Prince Priceless Will, is also in here. Uh, that horse is still a maiden, um, but that horse, uh you know, is 10 to 1 in here, and Agnelli's 20 to 1, I'd I, I, I land on Agnelli before him. So just um one of those races where it looks like it might fall apart and he'd be a chance to benefit. Okay.
0: Uh, so sorry to interrupt you, Chris, but what did you think?
1: Well, one thing on, on Wesley Ward, he's always putting – weird riders on he, he's he used to ride and for some reason he just loves to give different people chances to ride his horses he, he switches riders he'll take obscure riders and put them on his horses even if they're live so i wouldn't read too much into that but i do think it seems unlikely that he ships and runs both these fillies in the same race so my guess is only one will go i haven't read anything about it um, but I'd be surprised if both go, um, because they both have the same running style basically. And, you know, just, I don't know why you'd ship them both to run in this race, but maybe he will, if he does, uh, it certainly seems like you'll have a quick pace for a seven furlong race. If only one goes, you know, it might not be quite as hot as it looks on paper with all the horses in there. So that's just they, one note. They, they think, do
0: have different owners. That's, you know, I always check for that to see if. Yeah, why there might be two horses entered and they do have completely different owners. So he may be looking for black tie for each one.
1: It yeah, could be, it could be. So, and these are, the other thing is this is sired by Ontario stallions. So they most, they both must qualify for this restricted stakes, which is a, an incentive to run them because there's probably not that many opportunities to run two-year-olds and, you know, sprints in a restricted stakes. So, Maybe they do both go. Um, They definitely don't complement one another, um, but they are the ones to beat. But I'm kind of with Henry. This is one where you look for, especially at seven furlongs, on synthetic at Woodbine with that long stretch, uh, you look for a horse that can come from out of it. And I really like, there's two horses I like, but one I like quite a bit, and that's number eight, Torpedo Max. And the thing I like about him is, now, this is another two-year-old race where I'm always looking for upside. He's only had one start. His race wasn't very fast from a speed figure standpoint, but visually it was really, really impressive. And the reason I say that is he, he broke poorly, um, but the rider didn't try to rush him up. He just let him settle. But as soon as he got his feet under him, he easily glided up and caught the pack, he made up five or six lengths, caught the pack without being rushed or with any effort. So I think he has a lot more early speed than it looks like from that race. But what was nice is when he caught the pack, he, he stayed on the inside and he took some quick back without any problem. He ran with inside horses. This is his first time starting, very professional. And he just picked up some horses without trying at all. He just picked off a few horses and into the turn, as they come spinning out of the turn, every once in a while, you'll see on a, on the turn, you see a horse who just looks like he's galloping effortlessly, and while he's doing that, he's either cat, passing horses or at least keeping up with the front runners who are look like they're in a race. And you don't see that very often. It just looks like they are loaded, and as soon as you push the button, they're going to blast off. And I'm, I'm trying to think of some times this year where I saw that, but probably I saw that once in the Breeders' Cup this last weekend and with Bella Fina. I, um, she just was galloping on the inside, looked like totally effortlessly, and as soon as she was going to be asked, she was going to take off. Unfortunately, Cafefe was in that race. She got the jump on her, and there's just no way she was going to catch her, but Bella Fina, I, I, think, I think she's going to run huge in her next race, she ran a really good race there. Uh, a couple other times this year, I've seen the same thing. But I mean, this horse looked right explode. He was in traffic, so it took him a little while to get clear. But as soon as he had a lane, he just, you know, flattened out and just took off. Won the race, galloped out. The rider couldn't pull him up. Um, I just think that race is so much fast. He's so much capable of running faster than that race. He gets to go. That was six and a half. So he's been almost seven furlongs already. I think seven furlongs is only going to help him. Um, to me, he just looks like he's going to run a monster race in here. In his second start, he doesn't have big name connections. He's twenty to one on the morning line at just incredible price. If you get that, um, and I think I don't think he'll be coming from the clouds. Like I said, I think he has more speed than it, than it looks like. Um, I just think he's great value in here. Uh, cryptic Gold is a similar kind of horse that I think uh, it's not making his first start. It's his second start, but his, his first start was pretty impressive. And his second start was on the turf going um, mile and 16th. So now they cut back and they're back on synth. So I think you know 20 to 1 on that horse is good value too on the 10 Cryptic Grip. But the horse I really like. I expect to see him run a really big race as number eight Torpedo Max.
0: Well, while you were talking about that race, I actually watched the replay of Torpedo Max. He was off slow. He seemed to gallop, like you said, pretty effortlessly. I could only see the head on with the DRF Formulator replays, but um, it was it was still good to see that he he snuck in from the inside. You know, you you want a horse that is professional enough that they can handle the inside and get, get through, get through horses as, as opposed to be stuck on the outside and go around. Uh, he's had plenty of space since that last race. He's got a bullet workout October 31st. Um, I like, I like. And this is exactly the kind of race where a bomb can can happen. As Henry is on a bomb, Anytime a horse is running its second race ever, it has a right to improve a lot. And this horse really looks like he could improve the fact that he won that race at 11 to one with this jockey who's hitting, I don't know how, how popular he is in Canada, but mascara is hitting at 11%. So that's going to help the price as well. Um, I, I like it. I, I, I'm going to include, if I bet this race, the horse that I actually landed on, which I'm going to, for now, I'm just going to say that that's my pick for the race since uh, I settled on him, is the three Forster's Turn, who beat Agnelli in his last race by three lengths or so, four lengths, and... I just like the I like the fact that he went from first race to second race improved a little bit. He went from a 66 to a 76 buyer. He, th- this isn't mentioned in the chart, but I watched. I almost always watch the head on now, especially because it's so easy to do in Formulator, and he scraped the right side of the gate and was bumped mildly after the start. I don't know if it affected him. Uh, you know, there's. There, It's hard to, it's always hard to gauge. And sometimes you can see like a horse slams into the gate. Like when Matoli lost his one race that he lost at uh, Saratoga, he slammed into the gate. This horse didn't slam into the gate, but he did scrape the gate. It could have affected him. Regardless, he still ran from off the pace, won the race, you know, won fine by a, a neck. He could be higher than six to one especially because he was in a maiden optional claimer, even though he wasn't in for a claiming price. That was for his debut, and then he was in an optional claimer for his second race. The trainer, Robert Tiller, is also the trainer of Pink Lloyd. And this is a gelding, and he could have a bright future. So, so that's my pick in the race with, uh, with uh, a caveat that I'm going to use the, the, the horse that you mentioned, Chris Torpedo Man.
1: Um, Torpedo Max. Come on, Scott. Um Dope. <laughs> one thing to note about the the rider is kind of like a journeyman average rider, eleven percent win percentage. The trainer is kind of you an average trainer, 14% win percentage. So those connections aren't gonna attract a lot of attention. But the two of them combined have uh Uh, they've gotten together 33 times in last year and won 21% of the time, 55% of the money. So when the two of them hook up, you know, the sum is, is greater than, and the the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So they're a good team. So that's another plus in torpedo max's favor. Um, Yeah, he's certainly not secretariat, but I think he's a live long shot in here.
0: Absolutely. And you know, the other thing that you'll say, I, I really like the, Wesley Ward horses—they both look great. I watched their last two races; they won pretty easily. I certainly wouldn't toss them, but going to seven furlongs is a whole nother ball game, especially on the synthetic. So, so there is an opportunity, and they may also be completely crushed. Uh, the nine Aulette was even money in her last race, and Artie's Princess the Six was three to two in. Her last race, they do and, get, they do get wake breaks though. That's, yeah,
1: and, yeah. and the Wesley Ward horses, you know, they, they come out running their first start, uh, and they don't tend to improve a whole lot after a couple starts. So you probably have seen close to the ceiling on both of these. Uh, it's fast enough to win this race, but you know, they're not likely to improve a whole lot. Like some other horses that might from other trainers as two-year-olds might even after a start or two. So keep that in mind, along with that seven furlong distance, I think, and the ship and all that kind of stuff um, back from Keeneland, where they've been working, Um, even though they've run on synth before um, at Woodbine, you know, shipping back and forth can take something out of them. So, you know, they're the ones to beat, but they're not invincible in here.
0: All right. Anything else to add on that one, Henry?
2: No, I think it's a race for a long shot. Then I would just say if you like someone on the race before or after, um, play the doubles with them because that's what I'll be doing and I'll be adding Chris's horse because that looks like uh, everything he said makes sense and he's got a big shot too. So let's hope for a price in there.
0: Yeah, one thing that's uh, really interesting, uh, you know, just watching that replay I realize that I it's best if we could possibly watch every replay of every horse's past performance, especially a horse that's only run one time because we can get a feel for the quality of the race. But realistically, it's it's hard to do that. Now, we're we're doing this race on the podcast, so that's why one of the reasons why Chris actually took a look at that race. If you can possibly watch any horses Replays. I, I just strongly encourage people to do it. And you, if you have an ADW, you can use your ADW usually to. to uh, that's a betting uh, betting site to to look at replays. But if you have Formulator, it's really great thing to just be able to click and then also just hit the head on to see how bad the start is, and also that there there's often something like in the case of Forrester's turn where he scraped the gate. That the the chart caller doesn't get, and if the chart, you know, if the horse it doesn't clearly isn't clearly affected, but like if they don't lose three or four lengths, the chart caller may not look at the start, may not look closely at that horse. So, uh, just uh, a little advice that looking at the replays can be helpful in, in finding something that you might not have seen before. All right, let's Especially go. Especially
1: on the light the lightly raced two year old horses where all you have is are one or two races to go on. That's why I think where you get the most value from that.
0: Yeah. And yeah, so, so we'll, we'll say two lessons first, the, that, and then the second is that whenever there's a second time starter, that horse is alive, especially if they've won their first race. I mean, they, 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 they always improve. If you, if you look at buyers from first to second race, there's almost always an improvement. So you don't. You just don't know how much they are going to improve, and if they're a big price, uh, you may get paid. All right, let's go to our fourth race. It's the tenth from Churchill. It's the Commonwealth Turf, a mile and sixteenth on the turf, purse of one hundred seventy-five thousand for three-year-olds. And Chris, it would be your turn for this race.
1: Well, this is our obligatory three-year-old turf stakes brain teaser race where (laughs) the entire field looks like um, you could make a case for each one of them as a possible winner. Um, We have one of these every week. They're always tough. I did find a horse I like quite a bit. I'm a bit worried that the morning line won't hold up. Um, I think we're probably going to land on different horses in here, but I'll give a case for two of them and then turn it over to you guys. The horse I like the most is actually a kind of an easy pick for me. It's the kind of horse that I, I look to play a lot. And that is um, number five, Markey Prince, who showed talent as a two-year-old and early this spring as a three-year-old. Took a, a long break, four or five months over the summer. And then comes back with a nice race right off the bench, uh, kind of a prep, uh, exactly where you expect him to run him in an allowance race. He won that race. Now they enter him six weeks later in a stakes race. Um, you know, he's had some good workouts before his last race and since. It's Brad Cox, which is why I'm afraid eight to one won't hold up although this is a deep big field um Tyler Gaffleone, good rider good post good trainer good pattern he's as fast as any and probably has a license to improve more than any of the rest so at eight to one he's a great play I am a little bit afraid that they're going to bet him down I wouldn't be shocked if he's seven to two or four to one if so I'm Certainly not interested in betting him to win, although I would definitely use him in any any plays. Um, If that happens, probably the other horse I like in here is the three-horse Clint Maroon, who just hasn't been winning races lately, but has been pretty solid uh, since switching Barnes from Pletcher to Catalano. His last race, he kind of got hung wide. The races before that, he had some trouble. So I think he's had excuses for all three starts since he came to Catalano. He does draw an inside post here. Um, If he can get a clean trip, I think he can win this race. He he finished behind several of the horses in this race in his last. But like I said, that one, he was hung out wide. Um, He had some... significant trouble and other starts so i think he's been sitting on a good race for catalano um it's all about the trip in here though uh he has been working well since that last race so if he can get a trip um and he could be a pretty good price in here i think you will get the 10 to 1 maybe more on him He's probably the way I'd go, but if I can get eight to one on Marky Prince, that's the one I would go with. If not, I'm on Clint Maroon, the three, uh, I think it can make a case for a lot of others. And I have a feeling that you and Henry will make a case for a few, a few of those. So I'll turn it over to you.
0: All right, Henry, what are you thinking here?
2: All right. I agree. It is a wide open race. There's a few, uh, Familiar names in here. Uh, You see Nick's Go, who's been trying sprints, routes, stakes, allowance, everything, trying to get back on track. Um, I think he adds to the pace in here. I think there is a decent amount of pace here with spectacular gem coming back off a win at Churchill earlier in the year. Um, He's got pace. I think uh, there's enough pace in here. I'd be looking for someone off the pace. Uh, Wild long shot, which... I'm not sure I would use on top, but uh, I think has a puncher's chance from the outside. as a journeyman. Um, he comes off uh, effort at Kentucky Downs. He's twenty to one. I don't know. Why I necessarily like the post or the rider, but um, I think he does uh, have a chance on his best to get into the top three at least. Uh, I don't know if I pick him on top. I think I'd be uh, most interested in Armistice Day coming down from Woodbine. Uh, he has tried turf before. He ran at Kentucky Downs. Uh, I think he ran an improved effort last time in the Ontario Derby. He uh, came back on November 2nd with a 59 flat work. Now they ship him back to Kentucky to try turf again. I think he'd be the one that I think can uh, be somewhat near the pace and uh, benefit from some speed in front of him and then uh, come running at the end. So I think uh, with Lannery on board, uh, I think that signals... um, he's a live runner in here so i'd probably use him on top at six to one i think tracksmith is another one that always um uh, is around it uh, doesn't win very often but i think he's certainly one that'll be in the exotics but uh looking on top i'd probably land on armistice day but this is certainly a uh wide open race with um 1400 and two also eligibles um so it'll be interesting to see uh I think the weather is supposed to clear up there. They've been off the turf at Churchill yesterday, and I think they're off today as well, but it's supposed to stop uh, raining and warm up a bit. So I think this will go on the turf. So it should be an interesting race.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to, I think it's a pretty wide open race. I'm going to land on the same horse as Chris. Marquis Prince is clearly the, the best horse. From a speed figure perspective, with the best pattern and the best posts and the best running style, he's gonna he's gonna draft in behind what uh, is definitely gonna be a solid pace. You know that he comes out of an optional claiming race, and even though he won it, it's Brad Cox. And it is a deep field, so maybe we will get that 8-to-1. This is where I I wish I had public handicapper odds to guide me. That's definitely the horse that I'm interested in. And uh, I'll just throw in a couple of other ones that I think are contenders. I do like Spectacular Gem. I I really like that. I like the, 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 the pattern. He's improved every race on turf. He's three for four on the turf. If he's six to one, he's absolutely a use. I mean, I don't know if, I don't know how that pace is going to affect him. Uh, He's never sort of won without being really close to the pace. He was a little bit off the lead in his turf debut, which uh, had a pretty fast pace. His last race had a very fast pace, it was a mile and an eighth. So he's probably going to wing it out there, but I do like his pattern uh one horse that i was interested in i'll just throw in since nobody else is going to do it that is mr dumas and he is the 11 horse i like him because his very first race he ran a pretty strong number he's turf bred and he's only run twice on the turf his first turf race was at kentucky downs where he ran his best race ever and then his second race was a two-turn at Churchill Downs. And I talked about this last week where uh, I, I love a horse running two turns or any, any race in their, their next race after their first time two turns. Uh, last week, it really worked with sharing where she had won at seven furlongs and then she won at uh, going two turns on uh, her first time going turf. And she went it off at 13 to 1. It didn't work so well with Bast, and it didn't work with Dennis's moment. Uh, Dennis's moment, we know, stumbled at the start. But Mr. Dumas and the 6 to 1 morning line, I don't know. uh, It seems kind of – that seems kind of low to me. So I have to do some more handicapping. If he is 6 to 1, then I don't really like the horse. And I also see that he won his race near the lead, so maybe he isn't the best. Uh, this is the fourth of our races, and I, I didn't have as much time to handicap. But um, I would say consider Mr. Dumas. But at 6-1, to one, I'm really not interested because he is slower than the other ones.
1: Um, I'll just – if I could, I'll just add in a couple other thoughts um, to the Marquis Prince, the Five Horse, and Clint Maroon. I think – You and I are on the same page as Marky Prince to me, you know, everything is plus. I mean, there's just not really any knocks on him. The question is what price will we get? Um, is the field deep enough, um, to get a good price or not? We'll find out. Cause at the morning line, he's kind of an obvious play. Um, just all about watching the odds board there. Um, but two other horses I just would give a look to one that haven't been mentioned, at least not positively. Um, the eight-horse Tiz Plus, to me, is just kind of a solid closing type who, if if it is a hot pace, I think he'll be finishing up, and since he's coming from Remington Park, um, he probably could get overlooked, and I think he'll be chugging along at the end. I don't think I'd play him to win, but he's the kind, he's 15-1 to on the morning line. He couldn't go off higher than that um, and could hit the board. And then just the other horse I would give a look to is Nick's Go. Uh, I do think he seems to be coming back around to uh, where he could run a good race. And it does seem like they've been all over the place with this horse. And now they're trying to turf and it sort of looks like a desperation move. But he actually, Painter Horse's, They don't all run good on the turf, but some of them really are plus turf. I've seen a lot of horses move up by painter um, on the turf. Uh, The dam is kind of plus turf. So there's no reason why he couldn't run well on the turf. Um, And it'll be interesting to see what he does in here. And if he does get, you know, go off at 10, 15, 20 to 1, I, I think he might be worth including underneath again um so those are the two kind of real big shots possible bombs that might hit the trifecta but for me the key horse the one horse that looks the most reliable even though this is a wide open race is the five um should be right there might be a good price we'll have to watch the board
0: yeah let's put it this way if if marquee prince is eight to one a few minutes to post. I am going to bet some money to win on him because I, I I like him that much. Even though it is a wide open race, he is he is tied for fastest on the turf, and he's with the, with the best pattern and and with the advantageous post and everything. That's that's a bet for me, as opposed to some of these other races where I may not bet anything. Henry, did you have any other thoughts on this race?
2: No, I think we covered it uh, pretty well. I think it's a wide-open race. It'll be interesting to uh, see what the odds are and uh, see who comes out on top.
0: All right, well, with that, we will move to our fifth race. It's a small field. It's not that exciting. We we normally wouldn't do this as a public handicap race, but we figured let's include a California stake. So it's not a great contest race, but it is a stakes race. It's the Let It Ride at Del Mar, the eighth race, a mile on the turf for three-year-olds. And, Henry, where did you land here?
2: All right. It's a small field of six. I will note that uh, Ocean Fury ran a week ago in the Twilight Derby, uh, finishing 10th. Um, Slim pickings in here. Uh, Bob and Jackie hasn't been out since December of last year. Uh, Proud Pedro has been off since June. dueling comes off a win at fresno um i'd be inclined if i had to pick i'd pick golden birthday Uh, i think that horse um has some pretty decent turf efforts um should be reasonably near the front of the pace in here um i think ocean fury if he runs will get over bet um i don't know that coming back seven days uh Makes sense, but it's a small field, so I assume they're just uh, taking their shot in here. for a $75,000 purse, but um, given the slim pickings in here, I think Golden Birthday looks like he'll be up or near the pace and should be able to uh, put these horses away late on, but um, it's a tough race to bet given the slim pickings in here. Chris,
0: where did you land?
1: Well, definitely, this is a race I'm not really interested in much in terms of betting. But I landed on the two-horse Dueling, who's making his first start on the turf, but has some turf breeding. Uh, He did run at Fresno last time, but that's because Jerry Hollendorfer can't run at Santa Anita. Um, So he had to run somewhere. They ran him at Fresno, and he did win pretty easily. Uh, He has some good races. I mean, this is a horse... We talked about it before, but he really is kind of a turf-bred horse, but he he started his career on the dirt and ran pretty well. He was running against horses like Game Winner and Roe Ayton and um, Improbable and those kind of horses are on his PPs. He He actually ran
0: in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile.
1: That's right. Uh, He did. He got crushed, but he didn't have a great – he was like five wide all the way around. He never really had much of a chance, and he did split the field. Um so you know he kind of he was kind of forced down that if you're trained by Jerry Hollendorfer, they're going to try you on the dirt and if you show any promise they're going to keep you there until they're convinced that um you you kind of hit your ceiling so when they brought him back um they ran him in a couple of sprints and then they routed him he ran pretty good on his first two turn race off the layoff kind of got beat by a horse that freaked on the front end but he ran second there Threw a clunker after that. Don't know what happened in that race. But then he came back running again last time out. Now they finally try him on the turf. And I really do think a mile on the turf could be exactly where he's wanted to run all along. He drew a good post. Guy's a good rider. Um, Hollendorfer can actually enter horses at Del Mar. So I think he'll try to win as many as he can while he can. So, you know, I think this horse is well-meant. Um, I wouldn't worry at all the fact that they ran him on the California Ferris. I think that was just because they didn't have any alternative. Um, So, you know, amongst these horses, I think he's as good as any. And he's only four to one. But I mean, the morning line has every horse in the field at four to one or less almost. So I'm not sure what he'll actually be off at post time. But I think he's the closest thing to value in the race. That's where I'd go. I think the only horse I'm worried about would be Bob and Jackie. If this horse takes the turf, I think he'll win. The one horse that maybe could beat him would be Bob and Jackie if he fires right off the bench. But if you look at these horses, there seems to be plenty of early speed, even though it's a small field. And, you know, dueling might be able to just tuck in right behind the the early speed and, you know, get a jump on them when they, they turn for home.
0: All right. Well, uh, I will say about Bob and Jackie. I looked it up while we were while you were talking. Uh, hundred and eighty day layoff minimum, with three year olds on the turf. The trainer Richard Baltus is three for twelve with a two thirty eight ROI. So, so he can win off this layoff. Um, I I don't know if there's any value in it because he's five to two morning line. So. So just throwing that out there. I actually agreed with you on dueling. The siblings and mother were best on turf. He tries it for the first time. He's circling back to a number that if he can run the the dirt number on the turf, which there's no reason to think he can't, um, he's going to boss this field. I would think that the horse will go off at less than four to one because that breeding isn't that hard to ascertain and it's only a six horse field so it, the the i think all the horses have a shot there's i w- there's no like obvious toss horse ocean fury who i actually liked in his last race he must just have not run at all i didn't see the replay it says he lost the whip the tr- The jockey lost the whip o'neill just,
1: just a minute that that that's my favorite jockey who lost the whip in that race Beherano? Rafael Bejarano, yeah.
0: <laughs> that, you're joking, right?
1: Yeah, I remember I told you I I made a contract myself. But I will not bet a horse ridden by Rafael Bejarano ever again. So,
0: okay, sure. well, you, so <laughs> you 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 didn't have that horse when he won at fourteen to one on September 27th.
1: No, um, I did not.
0: So, but the trainer, the, yeah, the trainer does hit at 22 uh, percent off a really short layoff, eleven days or less. So. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that the horse, that the horse is my play, my my the play is dueling, but I think it it has as good a shot as any, so it's a it's a wide open race.
1: Well, I was just I was just saying, Horano is off. They switched riders after that race, so that's a big plus for that horse in my mind. Um, that Bay Horano comes off. That I, I don't think it'll be any price in here. Or it'll be uh, playable. I, I think he just ignored that last race. Um, and, you know, he, he's, he's got as good a shot as anybody after the. If Bob and Jackie doesn't fire off the bench and Dueling doesn't take the turf, he's likely to win as any. Just one note on Bob and Jackie he actually finished ahead of Omaha Beach um, in his second start when he broke his maiden. Omaha Beach was second by a neck in that race. So uh, just a little trivia for that horse.
0: Yeah, that's, that's when, when Omaha Beach was on turf. Um, yeah, cool. So, I don't know, any other thoughts on this race? There's not too much to talk about. You boys have any comments?
1: Not, that says it for me.
0: All right. Any other plays that you uh, liked in other races that you might have handicapped already?
2: All right, I got one being, because uh, I like the better races around the world. Uh, If you're up late tonight, uh, Hong Kong's racing tonight, there's a potential uh, star running in race seven, Horse called Champion's Way, six for seven, he makes his four-year-old debut tonight, Um, it's at 1.20 a.m. Central Time, if you're up late or you want to bet and record it, um, he's a horse to watch, he could be a potential uh, stake star over in Hong Kong, so it's going seven furlongs tonight, Uh, Champion's Way, he's the one horse, so... Is he is he any kind of a price? Um, he's seven to two morning line. I don't know if you'll get that. It's hard to tell, but uh, there's plenty of money in the Hong Kong pools. You can play their Quinella and Trifecta. Sometimes the trifectas um, are the way to go because they can pay pretty well. Uh, Horse I pair with is the four. Uh, time to celebrate, but um, you know it's hard to know what the odds will be, and you know if you don't want to stay up that late. Um, but he's certainly a horse that um, if you follow hong kong racing he's uh he's a potential star star over there
0: when you bet hong kong racing is are you actually in
2: their pools i believe you are they're pretty big pools when you play them on like your adw it, they'll they'll show the pools and they've got uh millions of dollars in there so um okay. i'm 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 usually playing them wednesday morning i don't play uh the weekends too often but on wednesday morning you can get uh Pools are pretty big and you're not, uh, you know, you're not playing in a $2,000 wind pool or a Quinella pool. You're getting, uh, they're pretty big pools there. What time is the race and can you watch it on TVG? I'm sure it'll be on TVG tonight. It's 1.20 a.m. Central time tonight. So 2.20 a.m. Eastern. So Chris has the better time because he's, he's got, uh, he's got a couple hours the other way.
0: I'd have to set my alarm <laughs> yeah, for 2.15 a.m. Yeah. Say, honey, yeah. I got to watch this Hong Kong right. race. <laughs> you know,
2: it always if you got a DVR, you can record it and surprise yourself in the morning and watch it. But uh, <laughs> Hong Kong races are fun to watch. There are some exciting uh, races there. And if you follow the circuit, you get to know the horses. And, uh, you know, it's not a bad, uh, you know, betting once in a while.
1: Uh, I don't bet the Hong Kong races, but occasionally... Like you said, um it's not that late that it's they're running on TVG here and I, if I've been up late for something I might have it on. I really enjoy just listening to their commentators because like you said, it's a fairly closed, small pool of horses, and those people um on that show, they kn- are familiar with every single horse and they oh, yeah. know, yeah. especially the ones looking at them in the paddock. I mean, they know they're like Maggie Wolfendale on steroids which is probably a bad image to say but um <laughs> <Yes>. but um <laughs> they they know exactly what equipment they had on last time what they look like if you know everything about it how much and they keep track of the weight so they know how much they weighed now and how much they weighed oh, in the yeah. last race
2: um there's so much information available i mean the just to plug the DRF site they give uh, free past performances and analysis now so if you go there they They present the uh, Skyworld past performances, which are a little bit more detailed and have commentary, so you can really get um, more information than you used to. And then if you go to the Hong Kong Jockey Club site, they have, like, more information than you would ever want to know about all the horses in the races. They're pretty detailed, and they go into everything. So there's information plenty. It's information overload, but uh, the DRF does a pretty good job, and they... Uh, post the best pass performances compared to some of the 80 AD, other ADW sites they're more condensed but the uh the SkyWorld ones are like they use for australia they're they're pretty good
0: okay chris did you have any other plays i know uh, i don't know how you do it but you you managed to handicap a lot of races before the pod
1: yeah i usually i think i spend less time on you because i don't typically watch replays which is usually what When I do, that's what really slows me down because it takes a while. No, I haven't really had a chance to look at any other races yet, or at least none that anything that stood out. Um, I thought actually the races, with the exception of that last race at Del Mar, the the four other races we talked about, you know, I might be betting all four of those. I like them all. So I thought we had a a pretty good set of races to talk about today.
0: All right. Well, check out Chris's uh, commentary if he has additional on Twitter. I uh, want to thank you, Henry, for bringing your handicapping knowledge and opening our eyes to the Hong Kong racing tonight.
2: No problem. Always a pleasure.
0: All right. And with that, that'll wrap up the PH pod for today. Handy ha- ha- happy handicapping. And please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout.
1: Cheers.